0: Welcome to the Social Impactors Podcast. This podcast is all about impact. We work to highlight impactful individuals making positive social change in their communities. From coaches, authors, entrepreneurs, influencers, we tap into the minds of some of the most impactful people around the world to find out how they have built a life of creating impact. Now listen in and be ready to go on a journey of enlightenment, motivation, and awe social impact everywhere hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the social impactors podcast a podcast where we highlight people making positive social change in their communities and today we have uh, Neil Pratrisha, and Neil, uh, it was incredible to meet you, uh, I think about a month ago, and, and we met at uh, the college that I work at, and you did an incredible speech on, you know, obtaining happiness and, and, and what's behind that. But uh, I wanna get you on the show, and I'm glad I did, because I think you're a perfect fit for the idea of a social impactor. And I, I'd love for you uh, just to, you know, introduce yourself as yeah. a PR, what you do, and why you do believe you're a social impactor.
1: Can I ask you how you define social impactor?
0: Yeah, it's the first time I got that, I love it. Uh, <laughs> So uh, what I define as a social impactor is someone who makes a positive change in their communities. So very broad-based and it can be mm-hmm. something as small as, you know, opening a door or something as large as disrupting, uh, you know, a traditional industry. It's it's supposed to be like that because that okay. everyone can make social impact.
1: Sure. Sounds yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Avery. Well, thanks for having me on and it was great me- meeting you as well. And I'm glad I'm glad I have the privilege of doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, your questions were great that day and I know you're going to have some good ones now. So <laughs> um, my background, I'll do uh, like a 30 second version. Um, Uh, For me, you know, my mom's from Nairobi, Kenya. My dad's from New Delhi, India. They came to Canada in the late 1960s, uh, early 1970s, Mm -hmm. depending if you're talking about my mom or my dad. And um, I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto, uh, sort of very, very quiet, childhood my parents did everything for us we took it all for granted mm-hmm. and as I grew older you know I had this kind of cushy life You know, a lot of us lead and we live in an era of abundance so my life was going according to plan I went to school I got a job I met a girl I got married I settled down and it wasn't until about 10 years ago that two major things kind of went off the rails for me mm-hmm. first the marriage didn't work out and that was very unfortunate it wasn't my choice but it, it just it went sideways and um, uh, it was my wife that had the courage to ask me for a divorce. And at the same time, that was happening, my close friend Chris was was kind of on the verge of, of um, severe mental illness, and uh, sadly culminated in him taking his own life. In this sort of sphere of my life, in this era of my life, I, I tried to focus on the positive as best I could, um, being that I was feeling very unpositive at the time. I was losing weight. I was super stressed. I had to find a new place to live. I was, you know, just. Torn up about the loss of my best friend, and and I started a blog called 1000awesomethings.com. So for the next 1,000 straight weekdays, I posted one awesome thing, like getting called up to the dinner buffet first at a wedding, playing yeah. on rusty old dangerous dangerous playground equipment, or um, you know waking up and realizing it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so just little things like that, and the blog took off. It got really big. It got 50 million hits. One. Web, the Webby Award for best blog in the world two years in a row. That turned into a book called The Book of Awesome. That book, you know, did really well and spawned a bunch of sequels. And um, the whole time all this was happening, I'm, I'm working at Walmart. Like I'm working my my <laughs> nine to five Monday to Friday job. Kind of ten years I'm, I'm there. And so people at work are like, "What the heck is going on? You got this like book in the background here." I'm like, "Oh yeah, like I just go home and I blog." But you know, like let's get down to business. Like I don't want to talk about this because I always thought that stuff was just going to die off. Like it just it was a fluke, fifteen minutes of fame. Then kept, you then know, it kept going, I ended up writing um, a newer book, it fit my fifth book, after all these awesome books, called The Happiness Equation. That's my, my most favorite, re- love that book. Oh thanks, that's my most recent one, that's probably what you saw the speech about. Yeah. And uh, and now these days, um, flash forward all the way to 2018, I've, I've recently left my Walmart job, after 10 years of, the, of working there, which is a very hard decision, we could talk about it if you want. Mm-hmm. And um, and now I'm focusing myself on the writing, and, and doing speeches like the one you saw. Um, And then my two kind of big pet projects right now are the release of a brand new Audible original called How to Get Back Up, which just came out a couple weeks ago. It's a new memoir about resilience and getting through failure uh, because I have a lot of experience uh, doing that like a lot of people do and um, and a podcast. So I'm kind of trying to learn from you and I'm starting a podcast called Three Books, which is um, trying to uncover the 1,000 most formative books in the world from the 333 people I find inspiring. Hmm. So I sit down with David Sedaris, Judy Bloom, Chris Anderson from TED, um, you know, these kind of people. And I say, what three books most shaped your life? Hmm. And I'm publishing a new chapter of that podcast, three books, every single new moon and full moon. We're using the lunar calendar. Oh so, um, yeah, we're using the, uh, We're publishing on the exact minute of every new moon and full moon. That's cool. Uh, by the way, by the way, Apple doesn't understand. They don't like you know. It's like two thirty yeah. like in the morning on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> and from now until twenty thirty one. So those are my two new projects. There's, there's this book on mem- uh, uh, on failure and resilience. It's called How to Get Back Up. And there's this project on on uh, kind of uncovering books for everybody to read and learn from.
0: Uh, what I'll do is I'll tag all that in there too because I want to check out uh, uh, yeah. the podcast for sure. That's that's awesome. I love I love the podcasting platform. But the one thing I really wanted to jump into actually was uh, your decision to leave Walmart. And I know oh, yeah. that, uh, when you said you work at Walmart, I think it was uh, you know a, a president or vice president's leadership. Like it was a high and high up role in Walmart, uh, and. That's a tough decision, right? That's a, a job yeah. that I'm sure has benefits included. You know, probably pays pretty well. And yeah. then you're jumping into you know full time uh, author or full time keynote speech uh, speaker. So, what was that decision like?
1: Okay, first of all, you got to be aware of of where you're getting advice from because in my in my blogger world, mm-hmm. I was going to things like the World Domination Summit hosted by a good friend of mine, Chris Gillibo in Portland, Oregon, and all the all the things there were about like you know. Um, launching your side hustle and I'm and being entrepreneurial and like I'm reading things about I'm reading Tim Ferriss blog posts and I'm, I'm so I start following books he, he likes and it's all about you know like vagabonding and living out of your suitcase and like yeah. grabbing life by the by the by the neck and just like seizing the day and like you know I'm um, learning tango in Argentina and you know that's I'm like whoa that's super sexy yeah but then I look at my Walmart job I'm like wait a minute there's a steady salary <laughs> I get benefits. Uh-huh. I have tremendous social fulfillment with friends and colleagues here. Um, the pay is rising as you go up in a big company. You get more and more money. And my 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 bosses, who were executives, were like, you know, you could you could keep going. You could be the head of this department, or you could, you know, you have to put time in and work in and, and and work hard. But you know, there's no reason why in 10 years you couldn't, couldn't be leading a department or, or leading a big team. And and so that was very seductive as well. And my cultural upbringing with my parents was like be a doctor. <laughs> like right that's my mom and my dad like they're Indian and like it's like be a doctor. Very secure, <laughs> high paying job. And if you're not a doctor then like at least be a lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. or an engineer or a dentist or something professional. And I wasn't even in any of that stuff. so I already failed. Yeah. Yeah, but the the, the the like last rung on their ladder of kind of good jobs was like at least have a full-time employment. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, like true. at least because if I quit and did this artist thing like really I don't have a steady pay I don't have a salary I don't have benefits I don't have an office I don't have friends like it's just like what I'm doing right now like I'm wearing a t-shirt and I just you know I just took my kids to school and like I'm in like Talking to you. This is the world. Right? So I really didn't know what to do. So I made a phone call. And the phone call was to an old boss. His name was Dave Cheesewright, And he was the CEO of Walmart International. I I was lucky enough to work for him for a few years. And I said, Dave, what should I do? I'm torn off. I'm trying I'm trying to do both. Um and he said, Neil, there's only two tests you need to perform. One, the deathbed test. Mm -hmm. Which will you regret more not doing on your deathbed? And the second test is called the plan B test. What if it fails? If it totally messes up, what's your plan B? What's your, what's your next best option? So I was like, well, if I, if I'm on a deathbed, I better try this writing thing. Like I, I, I got a lucky chance here. I got to go for it because I'll regret it if I don't. Right. And what's plan B? brush off the resume start yeah. knocking on doors and be like update my LinkedIn profile we're on LinkedIn you told me so we're on <laughs> update my like flashing you know I'm, I'm like give me recommendations come on everyone likes working with me <laughs> that's plan B okay so um so far it's been two years now since I quit Walmart and uh honestly the biggest feeling I have is um I made mean, the I made the right decision, Mm. and uh, if anything, I maybe should have done it earlier. Mm. But because of my cultural upbringing, and because again, how seductive having a regular pay is, Mm. you know, you don't want to leave it. And I will say, a quote I stumbled upon as I was going through this like year-long kind of stressful decision Mm. was by Nassim Taleb. I don't know if you know him. He wrote a book called The Black Swan. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's got this famous quote from from The Black Swan. I I believe it's from The Black Swan or maybe Anti-Fragile, which says the three most addictive things in life are heroin. Carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And a monthly salary. Huh.
0: That's true. A, I don't disagree That's, with that. That's true. Huh. Yeah. Never thought of it that way.
1: Yeah. No, I didn't either. But
0: then I, I'm like, yeah, I got to get off the heroin. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And one of those three. Huh. No that's interesting and, and it, it's funny too because uh, right now I, I'm I, you know looking for employment you know money might be tight but I love doing this podcast and there's opportunity for it so I'm kind of in uh, the beginning uh, what I think will be the same transition you have probably went from because mm-hmm. you're right there is seductive elements to you know having full-time employment and for me it's a lot of that social capital yeah. like I like working in a job that I've worked in for a while or even you know in the same institution because there's friends there there's there's ability to connect with people and do things and and it's, uh, it's nice, right? And I don't consider that settling. I just consider that a benefit of a job that pays pays well. Well, cool.
1: I I take your S that you just gave us, social. Mm. Okay, and I know it's another name for, for what we're talking about here. Mm. And I say that that's one of three S's we need, okay, deeply inside us. First mm. one's at social. We are the most social mammal on the planet. We need to have friends and whatever we're doing, okay? Mm. Second one is stimulation. Mm. We are creatures of learning, creatures of curiosity. Stimulation means always learning something new. The third S is story. Am I part of something bigger than myself? Am I part of a story that I couldn't do and accomplish on my own? Those three S's actually satisfy the vast majority of needs, which is why I advocate never retiring. I have a very strong thing in the Happy space where I say never retire, but actually just keep looking for those three S's. If you can find social, stimulation, and story in a full-time office job or outside of it, you're going to be fine. You're going to be happy,
0: and, and I like I like that rhetoric too because it, it's 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 what you said, right? You can have full time employment, and I I love this grind and you know the startup feel. But um, I had a, a podcast with a guy that I that I absolutely adore, and, uh, um, uh, Mark, and he's from the fitness scene, and. He talked about you know there there's the, the sexiness to startups, but he's like the one yeah. you don't realize what you're missing, right? You don't yeah. have the 401, <laughs> 401. Yeah, you don't have right. benefits. You 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 might lose a lot of friends. The dentist or, is three hundred dollars. Yeah, like it's it's crazy yeah. because you don't realize these things because the grind of it's incredible. But um, you can find happiness in a full time employment if you're that type of person. But some people need you know to go through uh, like you're doing as an artist. Some people need to be an entrepreneur. Just find where you're happy in that situation, right? Well, the other thing
1: I don't know if you have. I agree with you, and I agree with your friend, is that like. I don't know what boat you and your friends are in, but like if you are married and you have children and you may or may not have a mortgage, suddenly the stakes get raised. Yeah. So the idea of quitting your job and like kind of throwing it all into your new kind of online stationary business yeah. is like a little bit more risky because you, you have suddenly, you know, a lot of more people to think about and your mortgage and, and you're just sort of like, ah, you get so entwined in life. Yeah. Um, so for those people that may be in that situation, I have a different model which is could you think about your week in terms of hours if you can it's 168 hours in a week you divide that number by three it's 56 56 and 56 you have three buckets of 56 hours a week I'm gonna bet that you don't work more than 56 hours a week that's a 40-hour job plus commuting time plus emails at home sometimes a Saturday or Sunday okay 56 hours just eight hours a day for seven days a week not five now if you sleep eight hours a night that's a whole bucket Eight hours a day, seven days a week. So those two buckets pay for and create a third bucket. For 10 years while I was at Walmart, my blog, the books, speeches, it was my third bucket. I still had the job, mm-hmm. but I had a side hustle. It was my third bucket. Why did that switch for me? Because when I got married and had kids, I'm like, well, I wanna be home for bedtime and bath time and like, you know, I wanna be home for dinner and all that stuff. So I'm like, oh crap, I got I got the Walmart bucket and the, and the writing bucket is, crashing but thinking of your week in terms of buckets is really enabling because then it really forces you to think about how you're prioritizing your time <laughs> and you could also you know here's another thing that I don't talk about much but it's like I also like my Walmart career wasn't accelerating over this 10 years as fast as it could have because I was leaving work at five yeah. I wasn't staying till seven I was you know what I'm saying like I wasn't yeah. cutting corners at work but I also wasn't going that extra mile that would have yeah. garnered earlier promotions I was running home to write my blog so, mm-hmm. there are trade-offs, it's more complex than it sounds, but if you think of your week in terms of hours, you can probably do more than you think you can, mm-hmm. no, matter what's, no matter what your schedule is today.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's what I'm true. trying to
1: do is tell you to get a job, Avery.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got one, do worry. Keep going for now. <laughs> um, but let's let's jump into the first official question, because uh, oh. the big theme here, no, that was just a conversation, <laughs> but <laughs> the big theme here that I found is yeah. community. And, and the first question is is specifically about you, and it's how are you making a positive impact in your community? And it's changed a lot but how are you making that impact?
1: Here's the thing I think the world is in right now we're all too stressed we're Mm -hmm. all way too stressed Um, we uh, have long commutes we have uh, microaggressions Uh, the labor force can be a little bit tight Um, if you're coming out of school it's really hard to find a job if you're coming out of high school it's really hard to get into a good school if you're coming out of Uh, One job is hard to find another one. Uh, People are full of stress and anxiety right now. Plus, if you read the news, you're double stressed. (laughs) So all I'm trying to do is try to help remind people that we live in an era of complete abundance. We've never been as lucky as we are right now. We've never been as young as we are right now. And all I'm trying to do is give people simple tools and models to live their most full and intentional life, (laughs) okay? Because you only have 30,000 days of life. You're, we're spending one of them together. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend another one together, but we only have 30,000. That's the average lifespan. <laughs> uh, by the way, global lifespan is 25,000. So 30,000 is like if you're in a Western country, which I'm assuming that because we're both in Canada, mm-hmm. people watching this might be in Canada, US, Western Europe, Australia, UK. Like those are 30,000 day countries. <laughs> so you don't have many of them and then you're gone and you're gone for good. And I don't care what people in Silicon Valley say. We're not living forever. It can mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> so I'm like, you got to, Seize the day. You got to enjoy yourself. You got to work on contentment and freedom and love and happiness and book of awesome to the happiness equation to the new one how to get back up my work on right having people read more books it's like it's shirking the stress and anxiety of the news and the day-to-day uh worlds we live in and trying to just live in more of a moment where we can be more connected to ourselves to our communities to our social connections in our own lives and be awesome mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and sons and daughters and 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 be just great people great citizens and great great um Full, 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 intentional people. <laughs> I'm doing that because I'm trying to do it. See, like I'm yeah. not doing it because I know it and I want to teach you. I'm doing it because I want that so badly. <laughs> I, I recognize every morning how short and precious our time is. Like, first of all, like, look, Avery, you know how many months you're alive? No. 1,000. You have a <laughs> 1,000 months total. That's your whole life. <laughs> and you know how many minutes you're awake a day? No. A 1,000. <laughs> you're awake a 1,000 minutes a day. Hmm. I, I think about these numbers all the time because I'm like after a month that goes by I'm like well that's that's one like I only got I only have a thousand total and depending on how old you are you might have already lived like 300
0: yeah it's crazy to think because a thousand's not a lot a thousand months when you put that's a- all you have that's, that's not has, a lot like,
1: and for those <laughs> struggling to do the math that's based on an average lifespan kind of in the um like 83 84 years old ish mm-hmm. uh but that's what life is right now <laughs> you know so um, don't get me wrong I hope you live to wage a hundred uh, I'd like to as well and, but then then we'll just have you know 1200 months or 13 like it's, it's still not that much more so I think a thousand is the better number it is it is the number that's really easy to quantify and think about
0: it's, it's interesting to think that way yeah because it, it puts things in perspective a lot and especially um, I find that, that, that people you know have that have these side hustles and there is that transition like you're saying where, you know, I want to do it, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. If you yeah. put it in those buckets or you put it in the expression of a thousand months, like there's there's more of a an inherent need to want to do it, right? Because And it,
1: yeah, yeah, and it helps you No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, I was, I it also helps you um like like coagulate your time a little bit better. Like yeah. for example, you can be like, I'm gonna go all in and do this startup project and I'm gonna commit ten months to it. One percent <laughs> of my life. Yeah. I'm going to commit 10 months. If it fails, I'll move on, I'll knock on doors, I'll get LinkedIn recommendations and I'll I'll go for the job. But if it does, if it works, well then I've given 1% of my life to trying a new thing.
0: I like that, I like that a lot. Yeah. And and so that's a really good transition into the second question because the first one's about uh, your personal community, second one's about business. And I like this question because uh, there's a consistent theme but it's always a different response. And do you believe social impact is an important part of business? Yeah what
1: what's question three no just kidding yeah um, <laughs> next question uh, look, um, there is n- look the world that we live in mm-hmm. is um, both infinitesimally tiny mm-hmm. pale blue dot Carl Sagan like we, we you know the universe is gigantic and there's one place with conscious life in the entire universe and we're right here and we're here for a blink of an eye and it's also so large so that means anything that we're doing, like, like I'm saying there's eight, almost 8 billion people, you know, you'll, you'll never read every book, you'll never watch every movie, you'll never hear every song, you'll never meet every person. Like, it's also huge, so it's, it's tiny and large at the same time. Anything worth doing of importance in this life, in this world, uh, must be for some grand, higher level mission or purpose that you're trying to help and, and solve. And so, um, I was at Walmart for 10 years, okay? They were trying to save people money so Mm -hmm. they could live better. That was that was the purpose. Yeah. Um, You know, the Red Cross is trying to help people in emergencies. Wikipedia is um, giving every human the sum of human knowledge for free. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes I talk to companies and and their mission is like, honestly, like make the best screws and, and, and sell the most to the happiest customers. I'm like, whoa, you don't get it. No, actually, you're actually building homes. You know, or I talk to a bank, and they're like, you know, to be the number one credit bank or whatever. I'm like, no, that's not that's not your mission. You're you're actually giving people security. You're, you're making them feel safe. <laughs> like I'm saying, there's usually something way bigger than even the companies think that they even are doing beyond what they're really doing. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. <laughs> like like even the movie theater chain, entertainment's valuable. Even a, 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 someone making a, a TV show, it's like. No, you're, you're giving people inspiration, maybe, like you, you, you have to constantly scratch backwards and backwards and backwards. As Toyota would say, ask the five whys and get at the root cause, root reason, and always below the surface of almost every organization, pretty much the ones that survive and do well, there's a higher level mission and purpose that scratches a gigantic world, hmm. problem or opportunity. And you could throw a couple at me and I'll tell you what they're really doing.
0: No. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I'm trying to think of a couple big ones, but yeah. but I was thinking uh, first, even on like a, a smaller scale, like media, small to medium sized businesses, there there's somewhat of a local need too. Like they fill some kind of need, and one, and it's, it's local here. And it's a coffee shop. And uh, and I love the coffee shop, but I, every time I go by there, I always see the same people there. And for them, it's a social thing, right? They totally. come about that social need, and the second that disappears, that, that, that void won't be filled right away, right? That's, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, at, they're, they're building people a social isolation capacity. Uh, where they're removing that from elders, from seniors. Like, that's amazing. Cool. That's so, huge. Now, I'm well, to also,
1: nourishment. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you need food to survive. So yeah. that's important. That's a good one. Um, I mean, like, yeah. You're working on the town newspaper. You're 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 sp- you're spreading community. You're working on a local blog. You're spreading literacy. You're spreading education. You know, um, I do a lot of speeches, mm. and I always think of the model for speeches. And maybe it's a parallel here as the three E's. Mm. First baseline is entertainment. We're we're eminently entertained these days. You know, you got ten hilarious SNL clips on your cell phone anytime, but yeah. so you got to be really funny. Mm to to even just get people's attention that's the baseline entertainment then the next one the other human need that we all want is education mm. a reason for paying attention i get something out of this i learn why is anyone watching this right now mm. education its the only point and then the third one is empowerment 30 mm. is empowerment because i don't care if anyone remembers you or me mm. but if they change something in their life or change their behavior or, or learn something great mm. that's good um doesn't matter where it came from It just means that they believe that they can do it. And that's why um, I'm not a big fan of the sort of like I climb Mount Everest type stories. Or the like I started a non-profit that changed the world and here's my selfie with Oprah. I'm not a big fan of that stuff because I'm like you're disempowering an audience. They feel like they can't do that because you did something wonderful that they can't do. Yeah. So my story, my approach is always like we're the same. Mm -hmm. We both want
0: the same thing. But it's funny too because uh, a lot of the times those people who have gotten to, you know, these excessive amounts of, of very specific wealth or success, there's an entire building block there, right? And sometimes it's they started uh, higher than other people, right? People started different uh, uh, parts of the races in life, right? And a yep. lot of those people might have had, you know, bet more resources, you know, parent yep. help, some, something, right? So it's, it's unfair when, when people think of themselves there because there's an entire journey they took. But I want to go back to that one thing we had said about a company, and I have one. And yeah. um, for anyone working there, I'm sorry, but <laughs> there's a company, GE, General Electric. Yeah. You know, a giant conglomerate. Sure. Uh, and From what I've seen, what they do, you know, they destroy industries sometimes. They make industries, but they tend to have, in my opinion, a dinosaur uh, brain. Right. The company as a whole, maybe not the people working for it, but the company as a whole has a very old mentality of make money, make money, make money, and they're always quarterly, right? So they always, they're always, you know, cutting jobs, making quarterly uh, uh, returns, but. What are they doing
1: i i totally see it the opposite yeah so well no, like, that's yeah. good though well, i like this it's well, okay. like when i go get an x-ray or or like an mri or something and there's a ge on the side i'm like wow like they're making a machine that improves my health mm. and they they have they're like the world leader in a lot of the, that technology right mm. when i see things that they make in terms of transportation or electricity i mean like i'm thinking of the light bulb and stuff it's like actually there's a huge quality of life need that, that that they're they're filling in um and I, I i so i what like you could also point a finger at me and be like dude you went to harvard business school you're like a hardcore weirdo capitalist you worked at at uh, at, at walmart for 10 years like but i also maybe like empathetic, empathetically see more positives behind a lot of these organizations because i also don't think i really believe they wouldn't exist if they weren't That's like true. if he wasn't making people healthy with their technology those things wouldn't sell and mm-hmm. they would fail the company would go bankrupt. I do believe that. I do believe that the the, the market. And I know that the. I, I, I'm not. I'm not super right wing. I'm actually quite left wing. I actually think. I actually think that like there needs to be curbs on things. And I'm very much against monopolies and all this stuff. I, I, I agree. But it's like, it's like no no. If if there wasn't a high level purpose they wouldn't be doing it Hmm. because it wouldn't work because we wouldn't get something from it because we wouldn't buy it because it wouldn't give us better x-rays or or MRIs or or transportation needs or or go a little faster like we're all going into those things Hmm. because they're helping our lives somehow somewhere some way What are they helping us do? Are they helping us become healthier? I mean, look, my dad just had a quadruple bypass. Like that's, that's, that surgery for those that don't know, um, it's done eight hundred thousand times around the the world right now. Wow. Okay. So, um, he would have died, right? His heart was full of plaque. Doesn't work. Mm. No heart, no life. Yeah. But because of the advancements in technology, which I'm sure came from tons of different organizations, research facilities, companies, and different different pieces of tw- like you know, rubber that that's made by some like factory, you know, um, those things all worked into giving my dad 15 extra years alive. So I say thank you to the uh, rubber factory in Indonesia that made the little rope that's holding his heart together because it's like you gave me a, a dad for longer. Huh.
0: I like that because it's it's rational positivity, right? I, I find that there's there's an irrational sense of positivity sometimes where everything is good, but you're not looking at everything being good, you're looking at the benefit that something brings. That's, in my opinion, rational positivity. Thanks. No, no, I like it. I'm just saying. I, I, it, it yeah, else, yeah. I'm I'll I, go with that, I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I can all. be irrationally
1: positive and irrationally negative as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's just normal, that's human. Yeah. That's human. <laughs> <laughs> But let's jump into the last question and this one's about uh, communities as a whole and it's 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 from you But what is your advice for others to begin making a positive impact in their communities?
1: What's my advice for other people looking to make a positive impact in their communities? Yeah Be selfish Mm. Focused on yourself first. What do you need? What don't you have that you need? What is it? What is it if you're in a small town and you need a place make it look one of the happiest people I've ever met is a guy by the name of Mitchell Kaplan he I just interviewed him for my podcast three books so I went down to his bookstore he runs a bookstore in, in Coral Gables Florida he has eight of them now all down the Florida coastline Judy Bloom runs one of them his one in, in Key West I interviewed Dave Barry at his store um, Mitchell Kaplan is an interesting guy he's in the 60s I think he quit being a lawyer to open a bookstore okay but he has eight of them and the ACLU meets there, and Amnesty International meets there. He has two author events a day, six hundred over six hundred a year in his stores. I went there. There's a cafe. There's an outdoor magazine. It's like it's like a train station. This place. Wow. It's like it's like so busy. They have all these rooms dedicated to publishers. It's like fascinating. I was like, guys, figure something out. And he's like, you know what I figured out? I wanted a bookstore. I wanted a place to hang out. I wanted a place to do my Amnesty International meetings. I wanted a place where I can meet with my book club. I wanted friends that like we're also interested in literature and like we're interested in books I wanted to have Hillary Clinton come through on her book tour I wanted to have um, you know and us ask them questions and, and then you know and them to participate with us and it's like he got a meaningful rich life because he was originally selfish <laughs> He wanted a bookstore. He wanted a place where he could buy books and he could meet with his team and he could, that selfish motivation though was actually good because it gave him a solution that provided a solution for other, other, tons of other people too. (laughs) And it's like, often when you talk to people, you're like, like, you know, I heard an interview with someone that like helped launch Uber. I'm not going to pretend to know them, but they were like, yeah, like I needed a, black car to get my friends and family around for my bachelor party and I was like, there's gotta be a better I want this more often. <laughs> I mean, Uber, okay. It's like yeah. but there's but that's the case for a lot of these things. It's like someone really wanted something that they couldn't get. <laughs> so they did it and the community, to answer your question, came with them. Why am I reading a thousand of the world's formative books? Do you think I have nothing better to do in my life? I gotta read. I'm gonna read a thousand books over the next fifteen years. Every time I interview someone, I gotta read their three books before I interview. That's the whole name of the podcast. Three books. Yeah, yeah. You know why I'm doing that? And, and by the way, now you know thousands of people are listening to every episode. Apple's featuring it in their podcast. I'm doing it. I'm doing one. I'm going to South by Southwest. Why is that happening? Because I wanted to know what those books were. Yeah. I was genuinely curious. I selfishly. Wanted to read and know the 1,000 most formative books. And I selfishly also wanted to sit down and ask David Sedaris what his three were.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You organize your books because I do this and I do that. And I'm like, you're my kind of person. I don't have my, my wife and I don't talk about this. I want to talk to you, crazy book organizer and guy. <laughs> and I met you because of my podcast. It's the best.
0: Huh. It, it's kind of funny too because the reason I started uh, this podcast was um, – I wanted to talk to people, to be honest. I really did, and I I, I saw a need that was being uh, wasn't being met in the social impact space, right? We talk about social impact as this grand idea. Well, social impact is you know having this conversation that might change someone's life. It's opening the door for someone. It's talking to a senior who suffers from social isolation. It's doing those grand things too. It's everything, right? And we don't talk about that well enough. So I saw a need and I wanted to do it. But honestly, I just like conversation. I like talking to people. Well, and you also why.
1: you also have something in you that's very unique because. Um, you know, you mentioned casually at the beginning of this conversation. I know we're getting close to the finish, but here's what you started with. You said, I met you at a speaking event. No, you didn't meet me at a speaking event. You know what you did? You followed my work online. Mm-hmm. You wrote me a captivating email that mm-hmm. I was, I needed to reply to because it was so good. Mm-hmm. Then you came to my speaking event. You figured out how to get in. I don't even know if you were invited or not. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you, you, grabbed, you grabbed some a seat at that table. You asked me in advance if you could have a few minutes of my time afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we did then you asked from there if we could do this so we did I'm not saying um, you came to the speaking I'm saying your selfish motivations have created a community for you where now we're friends we hung out three times (laughs) now you could text me Yeah, perfect. it all came from your own your own needs and desires to to sort of form this community you're talking about community that's what you're talking about and you made it you're making it by talking about it it's like you proved
0: it. it it does it, do you think it goes alongside that idea that when you help yourself first, you help others better, right? You can only be you can only give out as much as you give yourself. So if it's of 60, course. you give out 60, right?
1: Well, that's why the airlines tell you when the oxygen mask falls out of the roof, put it on your mouth before you put it on your three-year-old. Yeah. You ask any mom or dad with a three-year-old, you know what they would tell you? If you actually asked them, I would never do that. That's what they'd say. They'd say, I put it on my kid first, but the airlines are smarter than you. They're <laughs> rational and logical. They know that you're no good to anybody if you're not taking care of yourself first. You have to energize yourself. We have a tremendous amount of empathy and compassion fatigue in our society. Look at the news. We can't really relate anymore to the destruction and how distraught people are. So you have to fill your own bucket. You have to fill your own bucket. Go for a walk in the woods. Listen to a podcast you love. Take a long shower before you go to work. You know, just connect with yourself first and then, and then, on only then when you have the energy to then give give energy to the world. Mm. And there's a great book I'm reading right now. I'm actually almost finished it. That's kind of goes into this a little bit. It's called Solitude mm. by Michael Harris.
0: Mm.
1: I highly recommend you, you read it. Loneliness, yeah, it loneliness is like being alone negatively. Mm. Solitude is like being alone positively. And it yeah. shows what comes from that. And we're also wrote an article about this topic. Exactly, if you want to look it up. It's called, um, why you need an untouchable day. <laughs> and how to get one. It was published in Harvard Business Review. So if you type in untouchable day, my name or Harvard Business Review, it'll come up. <laughs> it's about giving yourself totally blank empty days in order to replenish and energize yourself so that you can then be a better mom, dad, sister, brother, son, daughter, et cetera
0: in <laughs> our world. yeah, I've been trying to do that recently. I've been giving myself, uh, you know, like a Saturday completely off, you know, turning my phone off, doing that kind of thing. And it's funny how quickly uh, my my mindset changes, right? Simple things like that, and it's. It I comp- have to actually give yeah. it to my wife to hide. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about that. Seriously. If I know where it
1: is, I'll go check it. You got to yeah. actually give someone to like lock.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think they have that. They sell them on Amazon. The ones that lock, but um, that, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so I think we we've hit our time. But you no, know, Neil, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it, it means a lot to me. That's a big bucket list for me because I love what you're doing and. Uh, I've I've learned a lot. I really have, and I wish you the best of luck on your podcast. I'm definitely checking it out, and I'll put, I'll, I'll tag it in here too. And uh, I'm I'm just looking forward to staying connected.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure, and I'm happy to talk anytime. Thanks so much for being uh, like the kind of person I love, which is energizing and ambitious and creative and fun. And these are you're the kind of exact person I love spending time with. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, take care.